if people are currently fighting at Hulao Gate and Lu Boo is on the field, Ooh, man, like man. I need to go up there and figure this shit out. Lu is not my boo. Lu is not my boo. God, we have really been on a Lu Boo kick on this <laughs> pod recently. <laughs> It feels like it has been one million years since we have recorded a podcast. One million? It feels like it's been one million years and seven days. Why, why, why has it felt so long for you? I don't, I don't know. It's only been one calendar <laughs> week, but like, I feel like so much has happened. What's happened for you? I played more video games. <laughs> <laughs> I played more games and I had to talk about them. Yeah, I didn't. I, it's like, listen, full disclosure, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Like, I, I intentionally had to be like, I need to play something besides Baldur's Gate so that I can Ooh. speak about Ooh. a video game. Oh man, I'm so I'm so uh, I'm so excited for when it comes out on PlayStation yeah. Five. Oh my gosh, you're close. It's almost there. Hey, this is video game optimism though. Uh, the Optimist video game variety show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. Uh, my name is Chase, and my name is David. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this is not going to be the Baldur's Gate cast. Not yet. Not yet. We'll have a Baldur's Gate a Palooza once I start playing it, <laughs> and Chase will finally be allowed to talk about it. It's Gatefest 2023. <laughs> Gatefest. Uh, um, but we're not gatekeeping. We're we're opening. No, the no, gates. no. Yeah, the gate's gate, open. Gate, Come on in. Every gate is open at Gatefest. I I feel like normally in in the typical podcaster relationship. People are like, oh, I don't want to spoil anything for like our listeners, but it's it's very direct right now that I'm trying not to spoil it for you, David. Yeah. The other podcast host here, David, I don't want to like ruin this game. For. This would be a betrayal of our friendship. I know. <laughs> this, so, like, I say that jokingly, but I also kind of mean it. <laughs> and because I like you and I both know how much that game potentially means to you. I have been talking about this game, I think, since like the first year we've been doing this podcast. Yes. Yes. It's been a long time coming, yeah. thinking back on it, because the whole entire, for anyone new, the gay ped lore uh, yeah. goes deep in this it's, podcast. It's very old, yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an you, old meme here. You woke up in sixth grade like, <gasps> I see a future. <laughs> Just in a cold sweat in my bed. Dad, who Bal is Baldur? <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3, Father. Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> we know about the Dark Alliance, but what about the third installment, Father? <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I, I can't ruin it. I will say that, like, I feel like most of uh, any spoiling that could be done, there are major plot beats for sure. But like, I feel like so much of uh, what is potentially spoiling in that game is just like, here how's, here's how this situation went down for me. Yeah. Or here's like, here's, I'm going to ruin like a whole area or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's so much more fun to just walk in and be like, I don't know what any of this is and, yeah. and figure it out, you know? Yeah. Just like a real uh, Dungeons and Dragons experience, tabletop yeah. style. Exactly. The DM is crafting it for you in the moment. <laughs> I would love to hear about what games you're playing because I know that you beat Zelda last week. So I'm just like, where, where are you at? right now still playing zelda <laughs> i can't stop the twist yeah i'm plunging the depths right now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to get all the the light roots okay sure yeah and so i'm using my my expertly crafted hover bike to, to yep. make my way around there i still don't have a lot of electric charge zonai zonai charge mm -hmm. so sometimes i'll just f fall out of the sky <laughs> and into a nest of like what are the big scary monsters down there frocks the frocks yeah frocks are bad 
big spooky fellas. Yeah, I just I just fly I just fall out of the air on my on my hover bike into a gloom frocks and I just get <laughs> wrecked real quick. But the depths are fun, the depths are great. I like going through the coliseums that are in the depths. Mm, mm-hmm. Cause I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm just like, how can this yeah. game become more like Dark Souls? Give me that and just yeah. make me make me hate this game a little bit. In a good way, of course. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it still offers so much even after beating it, mm-hmm. which is I think the mark of a truly special game yeah. is when you just you just can't step away from the world and there's still things you want to do on your itinerary and even though you've you've beaten the main quest there's just just the world itself is so fun to be in that it's mm-hmm. just I can't I can't pull myself away I feel like mm-hmm. I'm still I still haven't had my fill of Hyrule this time around Sure I I I felt a, a similar kind of experience after having beaten it. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of a hard location to walk away from. Yeah. In, in more ways than one. Like I, I think that there are, like you were saying, compelling reasons to go back and be like, I don't think I've seen everything or like done everything. Mm-hmm. But also it's just kind of like in the same way that I was bummed out whenever I beat a Persona game mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, my friends, I don't get to hang out with my friends anymore. Yeah. What's tooling up to? Yeah. Or, or it, I, I more so mean like in the physical space part of it mm. of like it is a comforting experience now to be in high in this high rule. Yeah. And just like wander around the towns or wander around the, the, the world itself. Agreed. Which is, yeah, it's good. It's a it's a very good video game. And I think that I think part of it is that since we've already experienced this Hyrule once before in Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. that it really makes it just feel that much more comforting and comfortable to be in this world without necessarily anything to do, but just explore and, and just see what's new. Because I've st- mm-hmm. I still discover new things even after playing both of these games. Yeah. And there's still parts of the map that look up like, I don't think I've ever been to this part of the map. And let's just see what's going on in these plains over here, or this forest over here. Mm-hmm. There's almost always something interesting to see or do there so it's never a waste of your time it's just it's it's so special that they they don't tell you to go anywhere but they just let you Mm -hmm. guide yourself and still manage to reward you wherever you go uh really great also want to go to that the highest sky island as well and see what's what's going on up there so gotta plunge the depths gotta go into the sky gotta gotta Mm -hmm. be gotta be zelda gotta be link gotta do it yeah so and since I have since I have beaten the game, I've, mm-hmm. I've started to look at other games to play. Hell yeah! And for some reason, I don't know if it's Zelda related, but mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts just called me back. Oh yes, dude! Kingdom Hearts. This is, this is good news. This is very good news. I have almost beaten the game now. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm man, very close. Where are you in the game? I'm at the end of the world. Oh my god, you are really close. Yeah. No, I think. I was- <laughs> I was literally, this is going to be a very boomer gamer thing to say right now, <laughs> old man gamer thing thing to say, okay. but I was, I had all the intention of beating it last night, but yeah. I literally fell asleep while playing the game in my chair. <laughs> I like, I just couldn't go any farther. I just like, f- was like <laughs> asleep and then woke up and like Sora was a, a merman and just swimming into the corner. I'm just like, this is not going to work right now. Yeah. So I put myself to bed and now I think tonight is, tonight's the night. Going to fight the big, going to fight the big boat. Every, everybody can be sleepy, David. Not just boomers. Everyone can be a little <laughs> tired. <laughs> it just felt like a very, it's like when, like I remember my grandmother, she would fall asleep and her hands would still be knitting, Whoa. which would be impressive, right? And yeah. so I'm, I'm waiting for the day where I can fall asleep and I'm still just <laughs> kicking ass as sore as like beating the heartless yeah. up. Ansem has no, no, you have no issue beating Ansem <laughs> I just, asleep. I sleep God. beat Ansem. 
I'm a, you I'm a sleep game. I sleep game. You, you like demon hunter it where you learn how to like, <laughs> like control your power while you're sleeping still. You're saying I'm Zunetsu? I, I'm kind of saying that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm platinum tier in all the online games when I'm asleep. When I'm, I'm much better asleep than when I'm alive. Yeah, I, cli- only, I only climb ladder when I'm sleeping. <laughs> Unlocks my true potential. That would be the coolest shit I would have ever seen if you could possibly play a game while you're sleeping. I mean, that would be damn impressive. Okay, yeah. so you're, you're playing Kingdom Hearts. That's a lot of progress. I feel like the last time we talked, you were not that far. The last time we talked, I think... No, I think I had made some progress. I feel like it had been a minute, but you were talking about uh, Agrabah. Oh, because God. you were you were saying that you were getting lost there. Yeah, I, I got, got past that. Yeah. got through Ariel's world. Got through pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once I smelled the ending, I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah, it's time. Um, and that's when I think the game also gets kind of real good, personally, yes. at least in the first yeah. one. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to get too into it. But yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, play, yeah. I played a lot of Kingdom Hearts, and we're gonna we're gonna save a lot of what this conversation for a future podcast where we really dive deep into this one i know i was just at like four different conversations played out in front of me and i'm like yeah i gotta i gotta get to him i gotta get to we gotta him. save this we gotta save I this know, yeah, shelve it for true, right now and we'll get there yeah but one thing i will say is that uh mallory has watched me watched me play kingdom hearts 3 through completion yeah and was so confused by why there were all these anime characters in this disney game mm-hmm. and they saw me playing this one it's like oh are you playing the same game over again i'm like no this is the first one so i'm just going back we're gonna play for the podcast blah 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 and she's just like okay and there's watching me play this game and it's getting into the end end game of the game right the ending Mm -hmm. of the game uh where they're really going into like the story of it all and then she's just sitting there watching like wow i'm really impressed that they made like such an interesting story Mm -hmm. with this game i'm like yeah you know you're right like the first game the story was still comprehensible there was there was a lot of there's still a lot of vibes going on but man you could still really grok like fully what is going on here with this game and then of course it just went bazonkers after that uh but yeah it just made me appreciate the first game just that little bit more just from that that outside perspective like yeah yeah the story's actually like it's it's impressive that they're able to just make this story around all these characters yeah which was you know i think you know i don't want to spoil too much but like part of the secret sauce for the first game was just like the novelty and like the oh my god how do they make a game with with disney characters and make it interesting Mm -hmm. and fun for gamers right (laughs) so yeah it's just it's a great game i love it it's so fun yeah it's it's really good i i also felt walking away from it like that felt restrained in in comparison yes. to the other ones yes which is impressive because it's still bonkers there's still a lot of wild shit going on uh-huh especially like once you get to hollow bastion but like oh yeah yeah it, in in comparison it, it feels very muted not in a bad way like i honestly i like both right i like how simple this one is mm-hmm. um simple. but uh, correct yes uh <laughs> And I also like the weird, wild shit that's going on in the other ones. But mm-hmm. I, I think it the, the first one you definitely see, like, I can totally understand what's happening in this game. Absolutely. Like, some of it you're definitely taking on, like, I need to suspend my disbelief about what being a heartless means or, like, mm. what a quote-unquote heart is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all that stuff is a little, uh, you just kind of have to take it on faith. But, like, uh-huh. the rest of it's pretty understandable what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. They, get, they, get, they have their own philosophy and science about what a heart and a heartless and a nobody is and yeah. you just kind of have to fly with it because it yeah. kind of seems like it changes at every any given moment <laughs> but the first one's the first one's great it, the, like the simplicity of it mm-hmm. it feels like okay this is this is feels like being a child because you can tell that this world is very complicated mm-hmm. right but you are still interacting with it in a very simple black and white way 
which I mm-hmm. think is an interesting, interesting way to present the game to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I really appreciate that. But great game. Really yes. loving it. And the other thing I've been playing, speaking about uh, earlier, my, my girlfriend's nieces, uh, mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because uh, they released new tracks. They released oh, like yeah. two packs of new tracks since I've last played this game. Mm-hmm. Really good. Really, yeah. really good tracks in this in this pack. Yeah. I'll talk about another one later um, in particular. But mm. I just, I just, Mario Kart, what a game. Like, how, yeah. do they, how do they go on past Mario Kart 8 at this point? Like, what more, I don't know. What more can they do to make Mario Kart spectacular? Because this game, the bones of this game came out, what, like almost 10 years ago? Yeah, for the Wii U. Right? Yeah. It's it's insane how much yeah, how much juice <laughs> they have they have wrung out of this game. Mm-hmm. But man, they still manage to impress every now and then, which is which is something special. But yeah, uh, that's about all I've been playing, Chase. Okay, cool. What have you been playing, my friend? Besides Baldur's Gate three? Yes, a lot of Baldur's Gate three. You just I just lose hours to that game. I believe like, it. Sometimes I sit down and play other games where I'm like, wow, that was only half an hour. I uh, felt like that was much longer. But uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I'm just like, I'm just going to go and play. And then I'm in an inn and I talk to a handful of people. I manage my inventory a little bit. I check in with my compatriots and it's been an hour and a half. I'm like, what the fuck happened just now? Yeah. Where did, where did <laughs> it go? You can do a whole lot of seemingly nothing in a Larian game. <laughs> yes. It feels like you've like spent five minutes and spent like an hour and a half. Like, yes. What the fuck? A hyperbolic time chamber of, of video games. Honestly, yeah. But uh, I, I've got two other things that I've been playing and I, I've got to say this combo of video games is the weirdest. The one-two punch. It's a weird one-two punch. It's like a one punch to have some tea like it's it's just not even close to a combination that you have seen before it's just like not two things that go together sure but uh let me let me start with one which is dynasty warriors nine david oh okay wasn't that isn't that on like a wasn't that for free somewhere on streaming not for free you paid for it yeah. already but whatever it may have been on like the monthly ps plus games I think or that's whatever what it was right was a ps plus game this month i think i, I think so i was thinking about um, playing that too it's weird this video game so like just real real quick to set a little bit of a stage i love dynasty warriors games and mm-hmm. i also recognize that they are not very good <laughs> that like even if you're looking at the best dynasty warriors games that that's still pretty mid all things considered mm. like they are hack and slash games and they very much want you to kind of just like not focus on them that hard shut your brain off just like 75 percent power maybe even just 50 yeah you don't need much especially if you're playing on like lower difficulties or something like that and i will say that like you hear these games referred to as musao games uh pretty often mm-hmm. I, I will say that the persona strikers and the hyrule warriors age of calamity has done a lot for making these games a little bit more than what they normally are mm-hmm. i think persona strikers does a really good job of like kind of improving on like the the level structure and making it more interesting than just like a field you're running around in or with age of calamity they were including parts of zelda games that like i wouldn't expect to see in a musao game right like you kind of have to think a little bit which is cool i think that there there is a a version of this game that is really good if it's done well and uh even uh three hopes the the fire emblem game it's really great like i i thought that that was a really fun version of of this kind of hack and slash game but i would also say that the mainline dynasty warriors games have not had that same treatment of adding something to it to make it more interesting than just kind of what it's been for i think dynasty warriors two through eight 
have been like largely very similar games. There, mm-hmm. There's of course differences, but like kind of similar stuff going on there. For anybody who hasn't played this, I will say that like each of these get th- these are not games that are sequels to one another. Like mm. it mostly concerns the uh, the Three Kingdoms period in Chinese history, mm-hmm. and usually a game will kind of cover it from the beginning of the Yellow Turban Rebellion to like the end of this era, right? Yeah, when China gets unified, and it, you get different kind of flavors every time but by and large those are the events that they're depicting same thing yeah it it sort of feels like if we keep bringing local theater up but like if you saw eight different versions of a local theater's depiction of like a Shakespeare play or something like every one of them is going to be a little different right mm-hmm. the lines are probably pretty similar but like deliveries are going to be different costuming is going to be different sure how much someone is you know being strict with the text and like the tone or like doing something totally different that's kind of the relationship that that, that these games have with each other like some feel a little bit more grounded um, and other ones are like yeah there's like a lot of magic in this one like we're going to let people cast spells and shit alright and like a lot lot of them are you know at the very least you're cutting down hundreds of dudes in a, in a level mm-hmm. as one of these like legendary historical chinese warriors but some of them go pretty buck wild with it which mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm here for it. I've got no problem with that. So uh, just to also set a little bit of stage of like the release of this one, eight had come out in 2013 and this one comes out in 2018. So there's like a five year gap. It's mm, a long time. It, it is kind of a long time. Right. And that's also a really bizarre period of time for games and like game design. I feel like mm. there's like a lot of stuff going on in there that's kind of changing. I feel like what people expect from video games and like yeah. what what makes a quote unquote like triple A or even double A or single A for that matter video game. And so I, I like I just feel like that's kind of a tough time to build a game, especially with that long of a development cycle, because more than likely, you know, say they say they didn't start making this game until like 2014, 2015 or something like mm-hmm. that. There's still so, so much shit happening in there. Like if you're still working with 2015 game design ideas in 2018, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to feel so dated. Sure. Because like the big elephant in the room is that, you know, Breath of the Wild comes out in 2017. Mm. And for this kind of game, which I'll get to in a second of why it's like that, but for this kind of game kind of wipes the playing field and, and is like, we're going to do things totally different and we're going to change how these games are even thought about. Mm-hmm. In an interview with, I think it's the longtime producer of these like kinds of games um, with Kenichi Ogasawara, um, he felt like unsatisfied with the amount of change that had taken place between seven and eight. And so he's like, all right, we're going to take a bigger swing at nine. Right. Cool. So what they ended up doing was making this game kind of an open world video game, mm-hmm. which I think works and doesn't work. There, there's a couple things that like are, are in there. I, I will say that the, the moments that it does work is actually really amazing. Like when you get to see like this persistent map of China at war, that's pretty fucking cool. Like it is it is pretty neat to be able to just visualize like this area of China is currently fighting. Right. Mm-hmm. You can see the kind of conflicts that are going on up there. Being able to just like wander around the countryside and like stumble into these like skirmishes that are happening is pretty sweet. Like that's cool. And something that these games are always saying, but you don't really see a lot of the time is that they're, they're trying to depict China as just like consumed with these wars. Right. Yeah. Like it is all encompassing the the fact that conflict is here. And of course, like, you know, the, it's not true that there's just like constant roaming bands of superheroes fighting each other out in the countryside. <laughs> but like, I, I think the the idea that they're trying to depict there of like this fighting is is constant and brutal mm-hmm. is is supported with an open world because you'll just be like out in the world mm-hmm. and like, oh, there's there's just a, a band of people fighting each other over there and I need sure. to go like help out or whatever. I think that works. 
in, in a way that like the mm. bespoke levels just can't really communicate because yeah. you go into a level it says like here's your confined map and here is the victory conditions and defeat conditions and all that uh-huh. sort of stuff and that feels very video gamey not a bad thing but that's like it, it's more traditional video game stuff and so i think to to put it in this open world and say like yeah you you're able to tangibly kind of see this space mm. does a lot to connect you with with the the story that they're trying to tell and like the world that they've built i guess you know china is a real place so it's not like it's a world building but yeah. like it's it, it does a lot for that so do they do they let you travel through all of china uh so far as i can tell obviously i haven't played this whole game but like i i i didn't stop running <laughs> in the game like <laughs> they really let you wander around mm-hmm. which is cool I, I i think that that's really great in the same way that it's like fun to see new york in grand theft auto 4 kind of Mm-hmm. definitely not realistically depicted, but kind of a version of it built yeah. is really cool. The yeah. same thing with LA and GTA five mm-hmm. or really anywhere that's trying to show a real place. It is interesting what they decide to include in the game, but something that like, I, I think is also present is that this is like definitely not the best open world <laughs> I've ever seen. Sure. Like you really do have to run from one area to another. <laughs> and there's like a lot of space. It's supposed to be China, right? Like yeah, a that's gigantic landmass. Yeah. And so like, you're running a lot and in in a game like marathon simulator uh, yeah no kind of like it's a horse riding simulator at a certain mm. point and in a game like zelda they they have made that work because in in the most recent two zeldas you just have this big overarching goal of like beat ganon calamity ganon or ganondorf or whoever mm-hmm. and you're being kind of pulled along by your own curiosity along the way right yeah and like calamity ganon's there but like he's not blowing up your shit every second of the of the day you know like he's present but the threat seems to be kind of contained but but you're you're, you're pulled along and the world the world is constantly asking you like hey what's this cool thing over here don't you want to mm-hmm. go explore yeah and like the the open world reflects that right like the the, the two kind of build on each other mm-hmm. the open world is constantly asking you to be curious and it is expansive and all sorts of stuff like that. Whereas like, I don't think Dynasty Warriors open world really does have that same kind of curiosity, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the time it's mostly just like a flat area that you're running through. Sure. Cause like there's planes in China. So like, yeah, that makes sense, but it's, it's different. And I, I think like, I, I wouldn't say that it not being a curiosity driven world is a bad thing at its core. Like that's, mm-hmm. I think that you can do stuff with that, but it, it comes a little closer to resembling the like Ubisoft open world stuff, mm. which ends up feeling kind of like stilted. Sure. And it's, it's also very like thematically and just like tone wise, really weird to be like, yeah, you should go like hunt tigers for like their meat or their claws. Uh-huh. And at the same time, it's like, yo dude, Dong Juo is fucking like Hulao Gate right now, dude. Like, you got to go get there and beat his ass. Those two things being true at the same time is really hard for me. Uh Like, if it is that much of an emergency, I should just go there. Like, I, I shouldn't be fucking around with this open world, man. Like, there's there's battles <laughs> These that tigers need to are gonna be won. have to live, I guess. Yeah, like I I need to figure it out. Whereas I don't think Zelda ever really presents you with like that urgent of a problem. Gotcha. So are you always um, just like constantly running between different like critical attacks on your on your territory in this game? When I got to kind of the main loop, that was the case. 
like Damn, that sounds stressful <laughs> it's it, it felt stressful i was like dude i need to go like figure out what's going on with the yellow turban rebellion dude that shit sounds yeah. bad it almost reminds me of like the what is it the soul caliber 2 arcade game where you would yes, have like yeah. territories but like it would be in slow motion so you could yes, just come correct. back whenever you want and like defend your stuff as opposed to be like it's happening now go and defend it <laughs> i think like it probably moves at a much slower pace than i was expecting mm. like these battles aren't decided immediately but like i think just as far as like if i'm buying into this world then if if people are currently fighting at hulao gate and lu boo is on the field man Ooh, like man. i need to go up there and figure this shit out lu is not my boo lu is not my boo god we have really been on a lu boo kick on this <laughs> pod recently <laughs> Um, he's a great figure. He's an he's an indomitable warrior. Mm-hmm. And I'll I, I'll also say that like I'll I'll see if I can find some screenshots. But the UI in this game is unmanageable. <laughs> just like <laughs> oh, no. there's so much shit on the like pause screen that I just sort of like turned it off and didn't look at it anymore because like I I can't parse that. There's mm-hmm. so much stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's probably. It's half my fault for saying I can't do this. And also the game, like, please, dude, you got to give me a little bit less than this. Mm-hmm. I've been, uh, this is a sort of on topic and sort of not, but Em and I have been watching the Mission Impossible movies recently. Oh, just going, to, going through all of them? Going through all of them. Impressive. We just finished two, which is like, not, I wouldn't say the best one in the series by a country mile, mm. but like, it also felt kind of similar to this where uh, the, the movie series was in its like weird kind of teenage years where it was experimenting with a lot and like seeing what did and didn't work about this series because it didn't really have like that much to go on other than the first movie. And I would say like a lot of it didn't, they didn't really get it right. I don't think it met the moment of that movie but what like it kind of took them a second to get their footing and be like all right let's keep experimenting and see like what actually does work about this series Mm -hmm. but eventually like i I think the most recent ones are much better compared to two sure and like i i hope that that's what happens with dynasty warriors like i i do think an open world makes sense for this game like Mm -hmm. i think you can do a lot there and having this like persistent space does a lot to make you care about the well-being of china you know which is something that like i don't get in any other dynasty warriors game it's just sort of like i need to beat the big bad guy Mm -hmm. but like every character in this game is constantly being like i need to help this country like unify and figure it out obviously like i'm sure that's a fantasy right like i'm not a or a historian of chinese history but like what the game is trying to say is that these people are like heroic and want to like help help the country out and so i think you being able to get acquainted with the space actually does a lot for you to do that too Mm -hmm. and kind of drives you forward in a certain way but i i fear that the lesson that they're going to take here is we should just go back to doing what we did like mm. let's let's not learn we a tried. lesson here didn't work out yes let's go back to what we know because like i i haven't mentioned this this game was reviewed very poorly oh like, okay th- people did not like it i i think like in in different words than probably i had just described it like it was a lot of like this game sucks and like it's not good and all that sort of stuff but like i i fear that like i said the lesson that they will take away is we deviated too much Mm -hmm. like we tried way a way different kind of thing and i just i don't know that that's true i think that they tried something kind of a bigger swing with one part of their game but like this is definitely still a dynasty warriors game you're definitely still like crushing hordes of dudes i I would never want them to suddenly be like now we're dark souls right like that (laughs) that model doesn't work here yeah well you said it was 2018 
it was released? Yes. So it's yeah. been another five years since the It's been another five, four years. Yeah. Hmm. What, yeah. what are they cooking up now? They, yeah, 10 is just, it, they go back to basics. It's just Dynasty Warriors again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soft reboot. Yeah, there's not that much information. They, <laughs> The wiki just says, like, it's the 10th installment of the game, and you can play as the people that you played in the other games. Like, all right. <laughs> Okay, great. Cool. Good to know. It's uh, I, I hope that this series eventually has a really good version of it. And I think it's in there. Like, I, I don't think this series is just forever. It, it doesn't always have to be the kind of six or seven out of 10 series that it has been. I think there's a lot to love. And if, if I, I think if they keep iterating, it could be there because it's it's ridiculous and campy and like in a similar way that I find in like a Yakuza game that mm-hmm. I think has found its footing in the modern games industry that like the stuff that they've been doing with like a dragon and Ishin uh, and even judgment to a certain extent, like they have found like, this is what works for us. And for the people who really like it, it's really good. But for even the people who liked it, they're like dynasty warriors. They did not like number nine. So yeah. I, I hope that they can find where this series works and how it works best. Yeah. And it's not just like, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah. How do we, how do we evolve this in a, in a way that feels good for everyone involved? Yeah. And like, I would just love it if like they could pull more people in, in the same way that Like a Dragon did, right? I think there's a lot of people who hadn't played a Yakuza game before, chose to check out Like a Dragon when that had dropped a couple of years ago. And I think you you get a lot newer perspectives there and you get a lot of new players there. And like, it's still like that, that game is definitely still relying on the stuff that makes Yakuza good, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, you're in a bizarre place and there's a bunch of weird people that you can meet and do these weird little side quests. And like, yes, there's this big dramatic overarching plot, but like, a lot of stuff in there to love that isn't just the 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 a plot there yeah i i think you could definitely make a dynasty warriors games where you're still just like this weird chinese history superhero that can beat anybody and cannot be killed <laughs> they they still make that well done and good I, I i just like this series so that i i hope that it will eventually get really good yeah i'm i'm interested that that makes me more interested to see like what's going on with the dynasty warriors game to know that it's trying to go open world yeah but i mean china is just so big like how <laughs> do you tough, how do you yeah. make and, and if you're trying to go for like historical accuracy how do you make it interesting to go through this world if you're not going to take some liberties with the terrain because i think that's yeah. what part of what makes Hyrule so fun to go around is that there's always something to climb and then glide off of, right? Yeah. It always is giving you ways to traverse that are Mm -hmm. enjoyable, engaging, as opposed to just like, all right, these are these planes that take up like this X X amount of this, of the space in China. So you're going to have to go through X amount of these planes, right? So it'd be interesting to see how they kind of reckon that maybe they'll do like a a Witcher 3 sort of like open area style format as opposed to open world. And just like, maybe it just makes it a little bit more condensed, but still feels Mm -hmm. like a larger space but but who knows i'm i'm very i'm honestly very interested in trying this one uh after you've talked about this just to see how how it changes up the 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 tried and true formula i yeah i i think that there's there's a lot you can do i think there's a lot of lessons that are in the two most recent zelda games and i think even the most recent horizon game where like Mm. they do a lot to make the space feel bigger than it actually is. Mm-hmm. I think how like things are rendered, how fog kind of plays into that. And like you can make a space look gigantic without it actually being a trudge to get through. Sure. You know? Yeah. And like, the, again, they're already doing so much fictionalization with making magic real and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that like it's true. you can make this a fictionalized version of China where the space isn't exactly the same as it looks on a map or something. Let's get some gliding horses in here. I'm I'm in, dude. You give a glider to a horse, I'm in. <laughs> you um, know a human glider, but what about a horse glider? What if the horse has the glider and not Cao Cao, the, the historical leader? Mm-hmm. Anyway, hoping for the best for that series. 
Okay, so the other game I've been playing mm-hmm. is Mirror's Edge, David. Mirror's Edge. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no connection between and these videos. Did games. you ever play that one when it first came out? Okay, you I did. I did, yeah. Mirror's Edge is the parkour game for people who don't know. Yes, yeah. Did you play that when it came out out of curiosity? I did not. I was very interested. I loved the style and the aesthetic of it, but for mm-hmm. one reason or another, I just never picked it up when I was when I was younger. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Mm. This video game. Okay. So uh, similar, like following up on what you had said, people who maybe haven't played this, this is a game that came out in kind of the like 360 era, mm-hmm. came out 2008, um, and it was made by DICE, the company that you're probably familiar with making Battlefield video games. Mm-hmm. Actually, here's the connective tissue between these two games. Uh, this game came out in 2008, which was also kind of a weird moment in video games. Mm. Um Sure. True. I think that like the huge experimentation boost that you had seen kind of in the early part of that decade, if you if you want to hear more, go listen to End of the Aethers episode about the Dreamcast, mm. had slowed a little bit. I, I think like games were becoming big business in a way that they weren't as much before. Yeah. And so like game companies were also like, hey, let's maybe not risk money on some weird idea that somebody has, right? They were re- more reluctant to experiment with things like genre or gameplay or like length of a game that there was like kind of stringent guardrails that I felt like a lot of games were adhering to at the time. So like just just for context, the biggest non-Nintendo games in 2008 because like nintendo was off doing its other uh, it was like in its we era dude it's like <laughs> a, a dude in the corner of a party who's like i actually can time travel and i'm gonna show you how to do it <laughs> like just doing doing entirely doing different mushrooms shit. in the corner yeah I'm, i'll see you some some other yeah. I'll, I'll come back around the switch yeah. or whatever <laughs> but the non-nintendo like you know most sold games in 2008 were things like grand theft auto 4 bioshock call of duty world at war battlefield bad company army of two gears of war 2 fallout 3 metal gear solid 4 like and it's the era of the triple a game yeah and like a very specific kind of triple a game yeah and like don't get me wrong there's a lot of games in there that i'm like that's actually a very good game like Mm -hmm. don't don't say that that's bad but the main verbs that those games all have with a gun Man with gun is most of those games, <laughs> yeah. right? Like GTA, Bioshock, Call of Duty, Battlefield, Army of Two, Gears of War, Fallout, Metal Gear Solid 4. That's all gun guys. That's, those are gun games. Right? So like 2008, I, the year of the gun guy. <laughs> and like, I, I don't think you really saw the resurgence of kind of more interesting swings with like genre and like what made a very important game until kind of the middle of the 2010s or the early mm. part of the 2010s. When sure. Like, different stuff got really popular those like those games are still around and like call of duty is still like definitely the most played shit but like there there was a lot of different things happening towards the the earlier part of the 2010s and the mid part of the 2010s that wasn't really present in 20 in 2008 however dice specifically in like 2008 they were like all right we're kind of the battlefield people right now yeah and like they wanted to diversify their lineup away from that like Mm -hmm. let's do something else and so the what they came up with was they wanted to make a game where running and parkour were the main thing which is like i I will say an exceptionally 2008 idea for a video game (laughs) Like what parkour about parkour? Being with- <laughs> yes, yeah. Like if somebody was like, "Hey, let's make a game about planking or something in the 2010s <laughs> or whatever," it's just like, "What the fuck is this, dude?" <laughs> but it, it, I think it actually ended up being a really cool idea for the game because just background what this game actually is. If you've never played it, it's like mostly a jumping game. Mm-hmm. Like you, your traversal is kind of the big thing, but like yeah. jumping is your main verb. Um, you play as this uh, woman named Faith, a a runner 
and mm-hmm. the society that she inhabits is like it, it's drawn with like very broad strokes they don't really get into like how exactly did this happen but they mention like you know at, at some folks or at some point most folks started being okay with like giving up a lot of personal freedoms and privacy in exchange for the guarantee of safety. And so like runners exist as a way to get messages to people that aren't that like aren't tracked by uh, I'm assuming the government. Again, they they don't really give you super specific shit in there, but that's kind of the the picture that they paint. Which like again, it's 2008, that is a very like Iraq War Patriot Act sort of stuff going on sure. there because I think like if you told that story in 2023 it'd be like I was fucking big 5G over here like <laughs> worried about the government kicking uh, down your door and like yes the that is important yeah. yeah like it, it I, I get how like privacy is important and everything but I think like that kind of narrative feels very different now than it did before but sure. I think still like the, the story still works because it doesn't go like super hard on the really specific shit that is happening Mm. It's just like we live in this place where runners exist kind of outside of society and that's really it, right? Like you don't really interact with a lot of people who aren't like you you have a handful of people that you interact with that are in society, right? So you're saying it's a vibe. It's a little bit more of a vibe. And I think that they do they do well with that. So like the by and large most of this game takes place outside and the the kind of visuals that they're presenting you are this very like sleek and futuristic city that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um it's not like flying cars futuristic but like all the buildings are like hyper modern and everything is very like i would say clean in a way that is like not a utopia like it seems like nobody's sure nobody lives here is kind of what it feels like despite people being around i'm Uh sure but it has kind of the feeling of like the fuck is everybody and so whenever you're running around as a runner it feels like i'm the only person here and i have chosen to do that i would say like a, a much more modern example of the kind of story or like society that they have set out is probably severance the apple tv show good show good show really really good show but i think severance focuses more on like what it would be like to live in that as not a runner Mm -hmm. as just like a person sure whereas this one is much more like you are the the person who's chosen to go against the 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 status quo of how the society is set up mechanically what that means is like you see the world with capital r runner vision um Mm. which (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very goofy but like the the game essentially highlights objects in red that will show you like here is where you should go to get to the next part of this city here's right? where you can run here's where you can run you see the flow dude mm-hmm. that is a thing that they say in the game <laughs> love it and so the the way that the game actually plays out is that most of the time you are just trying to traverse from one place to another right uh, an early mission has you trying to meet up with your sister who's in the police force. Do you think that she's about to be pinned for a murder, right? And so you have to get to the building that she's in. And so it's, you know, you're on rooftops and stuff like that. So you're crossing one rooftop, you're jumping onto some kind of scaffolding, mm-hmm. uh, grabbing onto a line that will sort of like let you slide from one building to another, uh, jumping off a very high part of the building, landing as gracefully as you can so you don't take a lot of damage, stuff like that. And like, that's that's kind of how, how the game is set up. And also, most of the time that you are playing, you are running from the cops or yeah. the blues, as they the call blues. you call them in this oh game. Oh my gosh. Th- this game has a lot of lingo. <laughs> oh my God. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so the cops, essentially. So what, what about this game is working for me? I, I think that like that model still feels really fresh in 2023 mm-hmm. that like this still feels like a very novel idea for a video game and so it's it i like playing it does not feel like whoa i'm playing a 2008 video game like i i played bioshock recently which for, for all intents and purposes is 
considered one of the best games ever made. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you can definitely feel the 2008 in that game. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. That, like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just like the shooting doesn't feel that good. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, you know, the belief systems that Ken Levine is, is talking about is it's it's tough. But still, I it, like this one. There, there are not everything is perfect for sure, but it feels very new still mm-hmm. um, just because like there haven't been a lot of games like this. Like Ghost Runner is really the only thing I can think of that yeah. is tackling a similar kind of game. But even that's very different. It's very focused on yeah. like Cyber Ninja and shit like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. And there's much more combat. Yes. Ghost Runner than there is in this one. There's no pretty much no combat in this one, isn't there? Yeah. That's that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up with what's working about it is that like there is very little combat in this game. Yeah. I think it's interesting that the Battlefield game makers are like, we got to diversify. No combat. No combat. Just I'll, jumping and, and running. Yeah. Which, let me uh, let me back up just a little bit. I will get there, I promise you, because that's like the best thing about this game to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, will, I will say that like the, the visuals of this game are still just like striking. Mm-hmm. If you look at screenshots of this game like now, I, it still looks like, wow, that is really distinct. I was going to say it's distinctive. Yeah. yeah, you you really see that like that is a screenshot from Mirror's Edge. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the art of this uh, Dutch painter called Piet Mondri- Mondrian. I think is how you say it. Did you know this artist beforehand, Chase? I knew that he existed. I didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> like I I had his like style in my head. I'm like, who the fuck did that? Uh huh. He makes like these kind of like primary colored focused and very blocky paintings. And like you see that in this game so much where it's like one building is just like totally white on one side. The blue is completely blue or the sky is completely blue in one kind of single tone. And there are just like dots of red and blue across the landscape. Mm -hmm. And like I I think you see that. I'll, I'll try and post that in the discord if anybody wants to take a look. But like you can see it. When, yeah. when you're looking at these two things and something that Piet described of his own work was that and he was an abstract painter. So what he said is that pure abstract art becomes completely emancipated, free of the naturalistic appearances, which I think like really helps support what they're doing in this game, because the city feels unnatural like it is it is pretty and kind of gorgeous to look at in a certain like kind of futuristic sense. But mm-hmm. it is like devoid of people or like trees or anything you know it is a a very like unnatural place and i think that this art style really helps that as much as it is like pretty and inviting uh, like underneath that is kind of this like disconnection from each other and nature and all sorts of stuff that like i think really works like that is a really well considered design for this world and like just looking at it is nice right Mm -hmm. like it feels good to look at so i think that they they like really nailed it there with being functional in, in in more ways than one where it is functional in the way that like i know what to do in the video game because of the color palette but also i am being fed information about this place um sure. just through the usage of color which i think is like hard to do and something that like you can do a lot easier in movies because like you don't have to tell the movie watcher like okay so here's where you can run and here's where you should jump and stuff like that it's it's not a that's not a part of watching a movie so like it is easier to do that but in in this kind of game you also have to be communicating like here is something that is interactable or here is something where this is kind of the direction you should be going or whatever so Mm -hmm. I, i think they just totally nail that in a way that still feels really good i think that the gameplay is still really great when it works when you line up like five good jumps and you're swinging from like a monkey bar and you come down off a long jump and you like hit the trigger at the right time to do a roll so you don't take damage like all that feels so good Mm -hmm. and it like feels i'll emphasis on feels feels like you're improvising and like figuring out where to go and it's like 
just by the skin of your teeth, you're making it through these situations. I think that that's not actually the case. That's not actually what's going on under the hood. Like there's a lot of times where I don't know where to go initially and I kind of have to figure that out. And I'm like, was there even another way I could have done this? Like they, they, they do a really good job of setting you up. So it feels like you're, you're figuring it out, but I actually don't think that that's always the case. I think sometimes there are, or like frequently there's really only one way through Mm -hmm. and like, I think that's okay. Right. Like Mario also doesn't have that much improv in it, you know, like usually there's like only a couple ways you can get through a level unless you're like a, a pro pro Mario play. Yeah. Like usually it's like, well, there's one platform there. And I need to get over there. Mm-hmm. And like this game is kind it's kind of Mario, right? Like they, it is mostly a jumping game. Mm. The, 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 to the point where like the, the strongest attack you, you can do in this game is jumping on someone's head. That is an instant knockout. Hmm. And you, that's very Mario. <laughs> yes. And like you get an achievement when that happens the first time that says it's a me. So I'm like, okay, you, like that's people good. know where, that's where good. the influence is coming from here. And like, what what a like gutsy thing to say, like, we're going to take one of the oldest verbs in video games and try and figure out how to do it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's pretty wild. First person jumping. Yeah. First person Mario is a wild thing to try and do. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, like I said, Mario doesn't have a lot of improv in, in the way that this game is kind of trying to make you feel. But I think something that Mario does a lot better is that it is really obvious what you need to do. Mm. And execution is the hard part. Like in a Mario sure. game. It is so obvious, like, oh, I couldn't make that jump, or I could have, but I got hit by a fireball, or mm-hmm. uh, I didn't time that right, or or something like that. Whereas that's really not always the case in this game. Like, there are definitely mm. moments where I died a couple times, and I'm like, why didn't I grab the ledge? Was I supposed to have been able to and just didn't do it right? Or like, what what went wrong there? And I'll do it again. And sometimes, unfortunately, the answer is like, I don't know game just didn't grab it like, mm-hmm. but which is a bummer because i think that like in in this kind of game i think trust has to be such a big part of it of like trust between the player and the designer of like you know the limits of your character faith right sure her ability to grab something or not grab something and like i sort of see that as just you know it's 2008 yeah. people haven't really done this yet so it's hard to do that but i i i wish that that wasn't always the case that yeah. like i always understood that wasn't the right jump or I wasn't supposed to go there or I shouldn't have been able to make that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just like, I I guess I did. I don't know. That's a crucial part of any platformer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like knowing like, okay, that was me or that was, you don't want it. You you don't want it to be, oh, I messed up because the game didn't register something. Right. Yes. Because, because then, yeah, the, the thing that goes on in my head is like, Am I not doing it right? Am yeah. I, is this the wrong approach? Then it's confusion, right? Yes. Which isn't great. And like, uh, you know, I, I think that that isn't, it doesn't happen that often in this game, but like the times that it does, I'm like, that, that's a bummer. Cause like everything about else about this is so good to the point about nonviolence. I think that is such a wild swing for this game. Mm-hmm. Like, so most of the time, the enemies in this game are shooting at you. Like the cops are just unloading bullets on faith constantly. Mm-hmm. And like, there are moments for sure where you have to punch a guy like that is a a part of this game is Mm -hmm. like kind of using your own agility to get around a group of enemies and just like punch one of them really quick and then run away. Um, It's not just like a shootout at any point. Yeah. And like I said, your strongest move is to just get above someone and jump down on them, Mm -hmm. thereby kind of saying like, the, the smartest approach is to use what you're good at in this the game, which ground. is the high ground, right? You're, you're, you're jumping and you're getting onto a place that uh, these people can't. And, and so you're better at them mm-hmm. or better 
equipped to fight them when you're just like jumping down onto them. The the button that you use to disarm the blues, like there's moments where if you get right up next to them, they'll kind of like try and hit you with their gun. Mm-hmm. The button that you use there is Y, which will just sort of like grab him and hit him in the back of the head. And if you click that button again, it just throws the gun away from you. Like you can use it Great. if you want to, but that repeated action, if you try and engage with it again, is I don't want this or like, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. And like, I just think that's like, that's such a cool approach to kind of actively encourage like these aren't the weapons that you're equipped to use. Yeah. Right. The, and oftentimes you, you don't even need to do this. Like a very valid option in a lot of encounters is just run, just mm-hmm. go like. And I think for the game to encourage that and say, like the weapons that they use are, are not good, like you, you should just be running or jumping or like hitting them or something and getting away from the situation. Yeah. And like I there, there are a lot of games that choose not to engage at all with violence, right? Like P- Potionomics has no violence in it. Mm-hmm. It's just a game about making potions, you know, like, yeah, that's fine. I, I that is totally cool. And like that makes sense, especially in a game where it's not necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of times, like violence came as an assumption in a lot yeah, of video games. Truly. But like in an era where shooting was like so much of every video game, I think like this, this game feels like a repudiation on that philosophy. Th- there is literally a throw the gun away button, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I-, I think it would be one thing to say that th- th- this game could have not had people who are fighting you, right? They could have just not had guns. And I think that would have been a totally fine approach because like this isn't a game about that. But I think to kind of implicitly say no like that is the stupid approach here to be able to say like the the thing that you are used to is the is the wrong way to approach this game is actually very very cool and feels like I'm not going to say profound, but like kind of a rebellious act for this era. Mm-hmm. Like I said, just because like of all the games I listed above, like all of those have a gun in them and yeah. you are always encouraged to use them, even if it's a Trank gun in Metal Gear Solid 4, right? Like yep. you're, you're, you're always encouraged to use it. Whereas this game is saying almost the opposite of like, you shouldn't do that here. This mm-hmm. isn't the right space for that, which I just think is so like wild that is a wild thing to say in 2008 Mm -hmm. and like still feels appropriate right like shooting games are still a lot of video games it's it's a lot less of the equation than it was then but like that is a is still a big part of video games and so i think that like that message has not dulled at all and the way that they communicate that hasn't dulled it's like at no point in this game do they really say like dude guns are for losers Mm -hmm. only winners punch you know like that that's that's not something that comes up but i think that the the way that they're communicating it through the mechanics is actually really really impressive yeah (laughs) it's pretty cool yeah it's it's it is a bold statement for for that time and i think that if if i remember correctly a lot of previews and reviews are like hey why can why can't we shoot Mm -hmm. why can't we do that i would like to shoot a a, shoot a gun (laughs) i I think just people were so used to it that it felt weird to not be able to do that and even like the marketing of the game for a while had Faith holding a gun, right? Mm. Like that that was part of her description. And like, that's just, that's not what the game is. Yeah. You, again, you can do it if you want to, but it's just like not that effective most mm-hmm. of the time. It's not a shooter. No. And it's hard to control. Like doing the, the, the shooting isn't very good. It's much easier to just like jump and get above them and do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think this game this game has aged a lot better than I was expecting it to. There's there's some spots on it. I think mechanically, right? Like if this was made today, I would want them to be very clear with like how you are supposed to approach a situation because like Mario games have gotten so fucking good at that, where <laughs> you know exactly whether or not you should have made that jump or not. Yeah, and also communicating to you as the player. 
this is the way to go. Even if like the game wants you to feel kind of like you're improving, I think games have or platformers specifically have gotten really good at being like, this is the way and here's how you can approach this. Yeah, looking at you, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So lost so many times. Yeah, the the there needs to be a better map in this game. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this will bring me to my optimistic thing of the week, David. Which is? It's just a shitload of characters in a video game, man. Oh, okay. Just a fucking... Uh, Dynasty uh, uh, Warriors? I'm thinking of Dynasty Warriors. I'm thinking of a game that we'll talk about in a little bit it has a sequel where there's so many fucking characters. Mm-hmm. I think like, I can't remember if it's Mortal Kombat 3 or 4 just had like an insane amount of people in there and like all things considered that probably leads to not a very balanced game i get it Mm -hmm. that's that's probably not great for the the competitive community but like when i pull up to a character select screen they're like we got like a hundred dudes in here i'm like yeah dude that's very exciting especially if they like all play a little bit differently right like marvel versus capcom had a really good approach to this where like every character felt just like yeah that's what that person should feel like Mm. um rather than just like everybody has this kind of attack Mm -hmm. or uh the most recent super smash brothers where there's like every it's everybody we got them all all. they're all unique mostly pit and dark pit looking at you (laughs) yeah it's uh it's always fun i I just love a big nasty roster big old rosty dragon ball z games Oh my God. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z games are so bad about this. It, it's so bizarre because some of them you'll have like 10 guys mm-hmm. and then like other ones, it's like, we've got every iteration of everyone's form <laughs> 80 in this characters. Game. <laughs> yeah. In like the, the competitive Dragon Ball Z fighter Z, mm-hmm. that would make sense to not have that many people. But like, dude, Budokai, load me up. I want to yeah. play as every weird version of a character. Yeah. I want to play as Dodoria. I want to play as Cell <laughs> Jr. I want them all. Yes. I, I, I would All like the to weird play guys. I want to play as garlic junior when he's yoked for some reason. Oh, yoked junior. Yeah. Yoked garlic, man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, uh, I mean, that'd be a pretty fun player to play as. I, I, I'm sure it's in one of those games. I bet he's in there somewhere. Big garlic, big garlic. That's a secret that big garlic doesn't want you to know. <laughs> Gilroy's hiding secrets from you. <laughs> Uh, do you have something fueling your sense of optimism, David? I do. It is, is it? squeaky clean sprint from the newest uh, wave <laughs> of Mario Kart levels. Squeaky clean sprint. This level is so good. It just <laughs> is. It's just distills everything that's great about this game into one yeah. level. It has. It's so the the track is uh, you're yeah. in a bathroom. Yes, and it's like real my rubber ducky and me energy. Right. It's just like Whoa. a clean immaculate bathroom just like joyous let's get clean baby uh, everything yeah. is nice everything just feels so welcoming and and clean mm. right it's yeah. it's great yeah. and the the music is fantastic you go through a drain at one point and there's like mm. gunk in there and then you come back out and it's clean again it just makes you realize wow this is <laughs> one clean bathroom it's it's just so good <laughs> i was i was shook while playing this level yeah because not all of the mario kart levels levels are i think this quality but this is just yeah. such a great example of what this game can provide in just yeah. like a two or three minute loop it's also original right like this wasn't this is a this is a new new yeah yeah every i think every every wave has one totally new level mm-hmm. um and they've all been good but this yeah. one to me has has stood out as being the best that i have played so far yeah a very pikmin kind of level like pikmin and just like everything is big here mm, yeah like you're you, in you, a space you feel that tiny, you're familiar with yes which yeah. is also fun fun about this level you see you feel so small yeah which is i, I don't know always fun in a like a katamari damashi pikmin type of way 
right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making the, the uh, mundane new again by making it yeah, large. Yeah, totally. Also, quick aside, the new yeah. some of the new Mario Kart levels have uh-huh. a have like anti-grav boosts on the mm-hmm. top of like ledges that essentially make it a half pipe. Oh my God. Which is very fun. Yeah. So you can like boost up in the air. They have an arc of coins above it. So you can hit all <laughs> the coins, then come back down and just, ooh, when you hit that chest right, it feels so good. Yeah. It feels so good when you hit that chest right. People making Mario Kart levels are just like putting on a clinic. Whoever these people are. Hats off. Hats off. You deserve every raise you ever get in your life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not that no one, not that anyone else doesn't, but they really deserve it. They earned probably this more one for sure. Probably yeah. more. But yeah, that level was just, it was, it was shocking how good it was when I, when I played it the other day. Just, you know, how <laughs> some, some of those just stick out, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a good one. <sighs> got to give it a shot. I, I, I bought the pass. So like, I'm mm-hmm. sure I've got it. It's got some good aerial bits. It has some good, some real good c- curves and turns, some good mm-hmm. speed to it. Lots of places to boost. Yeah. Which I think is always important in a Mario Kart level. I don't want to feel like I'm not boosting on a certain spot. Mm-hmm. I always want to feel like I'm gaining speed. Always gaining speed in a Mario Kart level. Well, sick. Hey, do you want to move on to our main thing, David? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Welcome to Good Games. It's a segment where we talk about the okayest games of yesteryear and uh, find find the things that we love about them. We're back. We're back. We get, we got another <laughs> listener suggestion. This one from Punk. Punk. Uh, he he had asked us to play many games. Punk, I promise. I promise. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, <laughs> he had asked us to play Tobal Number One. Yeah, never heard of this game. <laughs> I was just about to say that that is a game that I have never heard of before. Yeah, I love to think that I am well versed in video games and like can at least clock like what game that is. Literally never, yeah. never heard of this one. No idea. Surprised at what it was actually with this name. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I, uh, I I genuinely did not do any research before firing it up. I was just like, okay, here we go. And I had no idea what, like, mechanically what it was going to have. It was wild. It was wild. Before we get too far into it, can I hit you with some hot stats about this video game? Dude? Please. Hot stats. Hot stats. Cool. So this was also made by Dream Factory, which you might recognize from last week's episode about the bouncer. <laughs> They they made that game. They of course made Tobal Number One and Tobal Number Two. Uh, just Tobal Two, actually. They dropped a oh, number. All right, one. all right. And Kakuto Chojin Back Alley Brutal, um, which is a fighting game, apparently. Whoa. Okay. The cover really sold me on it, and I was like, "Ooh, we should play that." And I looked at footage of the game, and I'm like, "Let's maybe not. Let's maybe not play that game." Um, but it just look bad or did it look nasty it, or what? I thought it was going to be a lot more expressive video game and it was just kind of a fighting game. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. This is the first time this has ever happened. I have a review from an outlet called Vision. Okay. Joe Video did not have a hand on this ball. Okay. And normally during this segment, I take this review and I run it through Google Translate a number of times, one language uh, from one into another, eventually arriving back out in English. Uh-huh. I just took the review and translated it to English and it was ready to go. All right. I'm excited. <laughs> so without further ado, let me read you Vision's uh, review of Tobal number one. Okay. They said, don't underestimate me for being sober. A work with such goodness that the more you chew, the more flavor comes out. <laughs> Two is overwhelmingly high in public opinion. But me, I personally like one more than two. I think two has much better graphics. But don't you think it adds too many systems? <laughs> and I, they gave that a four out of five for Tobal number one. <laughs> were they were they comparing one and two in this review? 
I think so. I think that that's what was happening. Do you think? I like how it ends with a question. Don't you think it has too many systems? Systems? Like as if this is a back and forth medium. <laughs> Reviews typically ending with a question. I also love the somewhat of the terror of the sentence. The more you <laughs> chew, the more flavor comes out. It's yeah. There's a little bit of a scary undertone in there. It doesn't sounds there? a little threatening. It sounds <laughs> yeah. a little threatening, right? Yeah. It's. I, I understand. I think the metaphor there, but like the way that it's phrased is a little frightening. Yeah, I, I see where they're coming. Like chewing on the fat, you know. Yes. Yeah. But, There's a lot of depths to plumb here. But, but, but like, oh, oh no, it's just the way it's <laughs> phrased. Yeah, by by yeah. Google Translate is is somewhat concerning. A little, little spooky. The uh, the only other uh, hot stat that I wanted to note here is that Saichi Ishii was involved a lot in this mm. game, and he is uh, he was the designer on Virtua Fighter and the director oh. on Tekken and Tekken Two. Okay, which I th- I think sort of shapes how you understand this uh, game. Virtua Fighter was the first thing I thought of when yes. playing this game. Yeah. Yes, but hey, can you uh, tell me what? Tobol number one is David. Uh, yeah, Tobol number one is a arena fighting game. Mm-hmm. You are one on one with a cast of different characters that you can choose from, who each play a little bit differently. Yeah, you can play against your friends, and you can also play a single player quest mode as well. Mm-hmm. To varying degrees of success, in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's combo heavy. It's it's light on the actual uh, explanation of the game mechanics. Uh, mm-hmm. And it does have a pretty interesting like grappling system once you can actually figure out how Understand. to do the grapples, <laughs> yeah. which is difficult. <laughs> it doesn't tell you. Yeah, it does not, it does not yeah. tell you. But yeah, that's that's I mean, that's pretty much the game, I think. Yeah, it's a fighting game. Pretty straightforward. It's a fighting game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You got it. So, do you want to hear what Punk said first, or do you want to talk about this game first? Uh, punk me. Okay, I'll punk you. Punk, I know uh, also like writes reviews for video games, so that might explain the length of what I'm about to read you. Mm, okay, but uh, yeah, he he had said on Tobal number one, Tobal number one. I'll admit when I found it in my folder of old game discs, it was the first time I had remembered this game existed in a long time, which, yeah. It's a pretty small-scale arena fighter, like Air Geese, um, which I had mentioned last time. He said, which got a shout-out last week. Side note, I don't always pronounced it as Air Gaze. Not, no idea if it's right. Is it German? Who knows? So Tobel was, I think, an attempt at a new, quote, iconic, unquote, fighting tournament game with Akira Toriyama designing the characters. I loved it because I was playing it at the same time as Dragon Ball Z was on before school, and Tobol definitely felt like a knockoff version of the Z fighter crew. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a big crush on Not Goku, a.k.a. Chu- Chuji, though I could appreciate the muscle bombing character. The wildest thing about this game is that beyond the usual arcade mode, there is also a quest mode, which turns into a dungeon crawler, Secret Souls like. Mm-hmm. Also, because of the super simple virtual fighter esque character models, the PlayStation 1 game could run at 60 frames a second. We can barely manage that f- uh, four PlayStations later. The best part of it all is that Tobal Number 1 was the 8th highest selling game that year in Japan. Not because of the game itself, though. It came with a playable demo disc for Final Fantasy VII, huh? and that was the reason most people bought it, which, uh, yeah. Med I, tracks. Med tracks. That also explains some of the success of uh, Zone of the Enders, which came with a demo disc for Metal Gear Solid 2. So mm-hmm. I know that I know that story. There you go. I, yeah, I think like I'm I'm about to agree with a lot of the things that Ponk had, had said about this one. Mm-hmm. What did you What did you like about this game, David? Uh, I like the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Akira Toriyama. What a great character designer. Yeah. I think two weeks in a row, the, the games have been 
been carried by the character design mm-hmm. uh because i mean tetsuya nomura what in the in the hall of fame of character designers yeah. uh, in my personal opinion and akira just is, has a very distinctive style always makes their characters feel very alive and, and distinct yeah. from one another so yeah it was it was a fun cast of characters to choose from just in the initial yeah. start screen i did like they included a quest mode i feel like that was mm-hmm. not something that was very common for uh no. you know fighter games back then I, did it succeed very well with that uh i, I wouldn't say I wouldn't so say, but... yeah i would not say so <laughs> it was it was kind of a bear to control but yeah. it was i think a a ballsy step in a different direction for a genre that you know for people who maybe aren't just like wanting to pour over frame data can get a little stagnant sometimes if you don't have some sort of story or plot to draw you in and get you familiar with the controls as opposed to just you know and in, th- in this game they don't really give you much of a, a tutorial it just kind of dumps you in and says okay figure it out mm-hmm. so yeah i did i did appreciate the, the quest mode yes and you know i did you know now that i know that it was running in 60 frames per second the character animations are re- really good very yes. very smooth reminds me of the bouncer right yes yeah because yeah it's 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 clear that they put a lot of time and effort into making things feel feel and look fluid Mm -hmm. i would say that the combat does not feel somewhat slow and clunky like it did in the bouncer bouncer uh definitely feels more you definitely feel more agile definitely feels more like you're in control of your character at any given time and there's a lot of different things that you can do Mm -hmm. just kind of pressing buttons in random directions with different you know inputs gives you different results pretty much every time so there's Mm -hmm. there's a very deep system of of mechanics and combat in here that yeah. you know i do not have the wherewithal to fully uh, unleash as a you know 2d or not 2d but arena fighting game noob i would mm-hmm. say uh smash is much more my thing yeah but i thought I, 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 it did feel you could feel the depth and the complexity of the system that they had created which i always appreciate in a game yeah totally I, i'm with you I, I the animation felt weird weirdly good yeah yeah which is a, a thing that is present in like virtual fighter as well that mm-hmm. like for a game that came out so long ago like 1996 is a pretty old game um and like yeah the, the playstation one came out in uh, september of 1995 so like i feel like those first few years people really did not know how to make good 3d games yet yeah like there was a handful there that like kind of got it but like if you look at the the lineup of that first couple of years like people were still really figuring it out and like absolutely frame rates being high was not something that was really particularly emphasized Mm -hmm. during that time like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. slowdown was just a thing that happened for for a playstation one so like it it is pretty wild like i I had to check the like i was playing this on the steam deck and i was like is this am i doing like optimizations by accident like is the game running with a higher cap or something that it should Mm -hmm. Um, but no no it just runs really well like that that's part of the game which i think is like a really smart thing to do for a fighting game and like you know virtual fighter has this too but like if you're in a fighting game i feel like frames count for so much mm-hmm. and so like if you're getting slow down or if it's stuttering at all it's like how am i even supposed to play this? absolutely you know? yeah it really it, it does matter a lot more for fighting games that is a good point mm-hmm. and like 2d games like that's a manageable problem just because like it wasn't nearly as resource intensive but like 
when you're making the transition to 3D, it's it's hard. I feel like it's is not always well done like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also love the the character designs in this game. It's uh, yeah, feels like not Dragon Quest and not Dragon Ball Z. Right. <laughs> you, you know? got you got Fish Man. You got old yeah. guy. You got robot. You got main character. <laughs> you got lady main character. You got it's maybe good. a demon. Maybe a demon man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh. Uh, did you did you play all the way through like an arcade mode fight? Most of the way, I would get my ass kicked for after after a while. Sure. Did you fight Mufu? No, Mufu. Dude, Mufu was so groovy with it. <laughs> Mufu. <laughs> oh yeah, Mufu. Mufu is a vibe. So he is so groovy with it. What like, is he? <laughs> yes. What are great, you, great. Mufu? The way that he fights is so strange. He immediately starts the fight just like kind of doing one of these, like putting his arms up at the person. Is he like a jazzercising toad? I have no idea what he is. I think a toad is pretty a pretty good description of what's going on there. He's got a big body and he he's I think he I think he is a jazzercizer. <laughs> aerobics aerobics toad. I would actually love if we could walk through these characters and you could tell me like rank their their how groovy they are with it like, just like how, they, how, how they move or just how they just, look just their whole vibe kind of how smooth they are with it you know and for anybody who's listening i'll put chapter markers here and then use the uh the like chapter art so you can see who we're looking at because this is an audio medium let's start at the top with chuji the, the like main character person that you will see on the cover of this game so you're telling me how, how you're asking me how groovy is he how groovy give me a vibe check on the groove he's like a three out of five on the groove meter I, I'm with you. He's straight yeah. down the middle. He it looks like he will enjoy listening to a groove, but he won't actually groove yeah. to it with his body because yeah. that might be that that that's uh, maybe sharing too much of his his inner self, and he's trying <laughs> to maintain this this uh, veneer of of coolness of above it allness. You know, tough tough guy exterior, tough guy yeah. exterior. Yeah, he'll tap a he's foot. Also, he'll tap a foot. He he will tap a foot. You're totally right. He's also like exceptionally jacked. So like, I wonder if that body even really knows how to dance. You know, this but. That body only knows violence. Yeah. Epon. Uh, Punk described her as the muscle mommy. Muscle, muscle mommy, mommy Epon. Yeah. I feel like she's probably a two out of five on the groovy, the groovy scale. I was going to say two. Yeah. I feel like she looks down on grooviness. Yes. Which is why Chuji is trying so hard to not act like he wants to groove deep down. Mm. Is there a canonical romance here? I didn't, I don't know the lore. I don't know. The they just look like they're the two like male female characters and i just would assume that they would be i guess i'm getting like kind of yamsha and bulma vibes from them yeah which is is why i'm putting them together because of Mm -hmm. akira toriyama has uh infiltrated my mind with his with his art (laughs) yeah once upon a time and currently so i guess that's why i'm i'm shipping them in my head yeah but yeah they definitely don't have to be shipped sure what do we think about Faye, the old man Faye, i think he's gonna be like a four and a half on the groovy scale four and a half that is a strong endorsement he's a groovester yeah He's the kind. He's the kind of guy who had a a sorted past in the in the groove mm. halls. You know, mm-hmm. he he was a five at some point, is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. He slowed down a little bit in his old, his older age. I mean, his hair seems to naturally grow in a mohawk, which like pretty smooth, with groovy. It, you know, he's got yeah. the long. His eyebrows are longer than his so mustache. Lengthy. Yes. It's impressive. That is impressive. Gren Cuts, the kind of canonical villain in this game. Uh, definitely like a zero out of five on the groove meter. I, this is our first big disagreement. I think he's pretty groovy. You think it. he's pretty groovy with it? 
It's only because when he fights, he just goes, ah, yeah, or woo, which mm. is pretty, pretty smooth. So you're going on, you're going based off of the, the voice, the, the sound he makes. Yes. Cause visually doesn't look all that groovy. looks like Ken to, uh, Ryu. He looks grumpy. He looks a little grumpy. He looks like grumpy, grumpy fighter Link. Yes. I, it, I, 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 oh yeah, it does kind of look like Link, huh? Yeah. His name is almost green. Yeah. And Link, t- to me, is also not groovy. Yeah, not a particularly groove man. Yeah. Let's move on to Hom, the robot. I'm getting like a, a two out of five on the groove for him. I, I was going to go four, David. You're going to go four. I would say I like if he, had, if he had like a groove function, mm-hmm. he could groove. One of his attacks is he just like spins his upper body mm. and like holds his arms out, which felt pretty groovy to me. That's groovy to you. I mean, yeah. I could see he's it, a, but he's a robot. I think that's yeah. immediately you're you're a robot. You're definitely already. I think to me, uh, you had you have to prove your grooviness at that point. You got to prove your groovy. Is it him or is it is it whoever programmed him? I think Faye built him. I'm pretty sure. Faye Pusu. Yeah, I could see a three. I could see a okay. three. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. Il Goga, the the demon man. <laughs> He's got Man, ill right is, in his name. I mean, he does. He's thrown me for a loop. I don't know. I know. He's either just like big angry guy energy or he's like groovy like Biggie Smalls energy. And I don't know which one he is. I feel like he could be Rex from Mass Effect. And I feel like mm. Rex might know how, how to throw down. I feel like Rex would know how to throw down, but I feel like yeah. there's still he he would never allow himself to fully throw down. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't yeah. let him allow himself to lose control that way. I, I'm I'm with you. What 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 number are we giving Ilgoga? I'm gonna give him a three. Okay, Jerry's right. out was, on Ilgoga. Yeah, I would need to see him dance. <laughs> oh wait, this is the Muscle Mommy, isn't it? Oh yeah, this is probably the actual Muscle Mommy, Mary. This is definitely much more of a Muscle Mommy. I'm gonna give a four to Mary. I see it. I bet Mary looks very serious, but I bet she really knows how to dance and like I mean, is very, very groovy with it. Look at the hair. Yeah. Look at the hair. Look at the tassels. The tassels are what sort of it like clue me into the idea that there's like there's a performance in her. Yeah. You know? She wants she wants you to to see the flow of her emotions. Mm hmm. Look at the, the hair get, flowing, the tassels waving. And then get kicked in the head. And you get kicked in the head and say, I'm sorry, mommy. So four? Four. Yeah. Great. Uh, Mufu, this is a, this is a five for me, dude. Mufu's a five. I mean, Mufu, I think he's he's grooving in his idle animation. So I, d- I think this is the <laughs> yeah. easiest pick so far. Also, he's a grumpy toad. He's really good. Is what yeah, I think he is, right? He seems to look very toadly. And like, I so respect that he is so grumpy and still is dancing while he is grumpy. <laughs> Maybe that's his style. He's the angry grumpster. Yeah. <laughs> angry groovster. But yeah, I like no no idle animation has gone gone quite as hard as Mufu for me. Definitely personally. not. Definitely not. Um, Nork the Mysterious. I have not seen this one. <laughs> He's so big in the game. He's quite hard he to fight. He looks massive and he has a cape. Yeah, he is quite big, but his <laughs> attacks are kind of a little groovy. I mean, let me, I, let me I, he, I'm getting Barney the dinosaur vibes from him. Whoa. He's huge. He's really, really big. One of his attacks is he does do the splits and just like throws his arms in front of him. Oh, he's just a big pig. Yeah, big pig. Real Ganon he's energy. A little stiff, though. I will say. I, say, I don't it, know if he's very groovy. Yeah, I'm gonna he give him wearing, like a like a two or a one. I think that's fair. I feel like he he may be trying to make up for the fact that he's not very groovy by appending the mysterious onto the end. Yeah, of his name. yeah. I think you know. I think he gets a two because of the cape. I don't remember this character. This is the weird. Like I thought he was a fish man, but I think he's a chicken man. Okay, he's got a, a he's got a weird little tail, a little nubbins. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm going to have to 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 do some research here. I don't know that I've seen him fight very much. He's pretty stiff. He's pretty stiff. I'd give him I'd probably give him a 1. He looks wow, he looks f- very serious. He lo- yeah, he looks sort of uncomfortable just like standing. That maybe swimming is more his his deal. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what's up with Williams. I'm I'm going to go 1 as well. Emperor Udon, the like final bo- boss in this game. Once again, looks very serious. Has a cape. We've already established that cape is at least worth one point. Yeah, that is true. I, I, I would love for you to hear him. Okay. Do you, th- do you hear the noises he's making? I do. He's not groovy. <laughs> not groovy for you? No, the, the noises are not groovy to me. Okay, all right. That's fair. What would you say? I don't know. I like his fit. I just feel like he's dressed kind of well. I would say he's he's definitely dressed well, but I don't think mm-hmm. dressing well is necessarily groovy. Yeah. Like he's dressed like he's a conqueror. Dressing yeah. dressing well as a conqueror is definitely not a groovy look. Yeah. I get Kang energy from him. Kang and Kang. groovy. Wow, yeah, true. Or like Doctor Doom vibes. I'm I'm with you on Doom. I think if we're going Toriyama, he uh very much feels like Beerus. Mm. Like tiny little guy who's actually the toughest among them. Yeah. Also kind of cat like with the ears and shit. Sure. And Beerus is not groovy. Beerus Beer, I was about to say Beerus is definitely like negative groovy. Okay, so we got Faye, Mary, and Mufu are our groovies. Yeah, they're the Groovsters. Yeah. I'm with that. I like that. I don't know what this part of the show was, but <laughs> it's, it's a thing. <laughs> this is the groove zone, baby. I think that may have just kind of come up naturally because like, what else do I say about this video game? <laughs> it's a fighting game that feels pretty good it's and a, is weird. Yeah, it's 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 wacky. It's weird. It has interesting characters. The quest mode tried hard. Yes. I love the drum and bass music that plays in that level. <laughs> right. Just constant constant droning of the same thing but it's a uh-huh. good it's a good song i like that one yeah it was a, it was a fun little play oh god also in the quest mode i love whenever an animal animal comes to fight you mm-hmm. because like the the models of the animals are just the same human wireframe yeah. that is used in every other part of the game but just like modified a little bit to be an animal so like Terrifying. when the mammoth mammoth comes to fight you it's just like a dude putting his dukes up <laughs> like it looks like he's in an animal costume which is some guy <laughs> yeah. fighting you yeah oh that's so good I, I really liked that that was always amazing to be like what weird little guy is going to come around the corner weird little guy time? It's a toad. WLG. WLG. Yeah, I had a good time playing this game. Um, I think like among the earlier 3D fighters, like that that this one is pretty fun. I I wish I knew a little bit more about like how to judge this based on competitiveness. Like I I don't I certainly haven't heard of anybody playing this at like Evo or something, you know. Right. And so I can't say that like it's aged that well, but I think on the the history of games, like Tekken is still around, right? Like people mm-hmm. still play Tekken. So I think like this model of 3D fighter may have just kind of converged a little bit to be like one single thing. Because I think like this and like Dead or Alive is kind of in a similar space. Yeah. I think Soul Calibur is similar but i feel like soul caliber feels pretty different than this game does i'd say it's most interesting looking at it as like an evolution of the genre or like the genre trying to change itself a little bit Mm -hmm. how can we how can we uh shake things up with this this formula yeah renew it make it make it more interesting they tried some things right they tried real wacky characters they tried to do a little bit of a quest mode with mixed results right yeah Uh, but i think it gave other game developers ideas and you know went from there yeah for sure yeah it it feels much more like a stepping stone than like Mm -hmm. a here's a fully formed idea and like like you were saying i I feel like you really feel this kind of game in the bouncer 
oh, as yeah. much as the bouncer's not like you know a ten out of ten or anything like that. But you you feel how this game plays in that game too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, which is cool. Like I, I I think it's easy to see visual design influence and uh, partially mechanical design, but like it's it's harder to see just like this feels like another game, mm-hmm. and this one definitely does, which is is it's really cool to see that. Absolutely. Anything else? Anything else? Now, I like I, I, it's fun. This game is fun. I had a good time. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a fun just romp. Get in yeah. there, play some of the weird characters, and you're good. Yeah. Anyway, do you have anything else to say about this game, dude? That's it. That's it. That's it. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Play this game. It's fun. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, if you would Hi. like to interact with our podcast a little bit more, you can go to our website at podtimism.com. Mm-hmm. You can check out a list of all of our old games. You can suggest games or bits or anything for us to do on the show as well. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. Uh, you can also ha- find links to our social media on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you also want to check out some other podcasts, you can go to theworstgarbage.online. You got it. And check out and follow the, the link to the Discord from there where you see a, a cornucopia a, a literal cornucopia maybe not literal but a, a virtual cornucopia of other like like-minded podcasts and folks uh, that to interact with and enjoy your company and time with yeah yeah it's a great place it's a great place you can i i feel like that is a a much easier place to go and like connect and say what's up and like i said i i love the idea of being able to provide like Hey, here's this weird Dutch artist's examples, or here's a, a character roster of this one if you need to see it, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it's really helpful to to have that space. And so it's the place I'm, where you want our visual aids to be. I think so. Because like, <laughs> I, I just have a, such an easier time engaging with that rather than like posting it on Twitter or something. So mm-hmm. check it out. It's, it's a cool spot. Yeah. Please check it out. Thank you, Scout Wilkinson. Thank you, Scout. For our beautiful podcast art. We love it. It's great. It always looks good. Always brings us joy when we see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you, listener, for spending your time with us. We really appreciate it. We would do this if no one listened. Uh, so it's pretty cool that people decide to tune in every week and hear what we have to say about silly little games over here. Yeah. Thanks all for for hanging out. It's it's really cool. Also, thank you to like kind of the the newer folks who are giving this one a shot. Absolutely. It's it's, it's neat to see people checking out and being like, hey, what, what episodes should should I should I look at or mm-hmm. what's interesting here or seeing what speaks to them? Um, exactly. That was a harder question than I thought it was going to be. Trying to figure out like what what Where episode somebody. Sh- yeah. Yes, that's hard. That's hard to know. But uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate everybody kind of coming and hanging out. It's a fun podcast to make, and we would do it regardless. So it's it's neat that people are giving it a chance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's neat. It's cool. Absolutely. Chase, do you have any video game wisdom for us this week? I do actually. What is it? It's that you should bleach your tips. Excuse me? It's that you should bleach <laughs> your tips. Is it, much the, like is it the year 2000 again? Chuji bleaches his tips, and I think uh, mm. this is a conspiracy theory, but I think that's where his power is from. The bleach tips. It's. <laughs> I think that that is a timeless and frankly professional hairstyle mm. that everybody should consider. Are you bringing back the bleach tips, Chase? I think we should bring back bleach tips. Chase did rock bleach tips when he was younger. In sixth grade, no less. Very hard with the bleach tips. Yeah, that was, a, I like re-upped a couple times. Like it was- That it was, was your the kind thing. Of ble- yes, yeah. There were there were many bleachings that, that happened there. Uh-huh. Spiked hair, bleach tips. Yes. I was trying my best to look like an anime character. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. 
I appreciate it. I doesn't age quite as well in hindsight, but you know, I was out there swinging for the fences, man. Mm-hmm. And I think now now is the time for everybody to bleach their tips. It's coming back. It's going to make a comeback. Yeah. Mullets are back. So mullets are back. I think. Yeah. Oh my God. If you have a mullet, just bleach the back. You know? Ooh, my God. A beaver tail. <laughs> yeah. Just the, the, the tail bleach is, is a real <laughs> big move. Oh man. Oh, gnarly. What's the worst hairstyle for a bleaching on the tips? I guess it all depends on which tip you want to bleach, right? <laughs> yeah. The back or the front? I mean, mullet might be up there. I think it's got to be mullet. If you just do the back mullet bleach, that, that's a really tough look. If you a did, dip. If you did like the, uh, the fryer cut and bleach just the, <laughs> the top rim of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a tough one. That's a, pretty, that, that's a pretty tough you, one. Yeah. The fryer bleaching. You got like the halo going on uh-huh. up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good or or the inverse a bowl cut and then you bleach just the the, the rim of the bowl oh my god that was so bad that's a could, really tough look i could see some i could see somebody pulling that off that was like lord farquad with some drip you know i don't think i can go on with the podcast after that sentence came out of my mouth, <laughs> lord farquad with drip is a little bit too much i think that just factory reset me it's too powerful of a sentence huh yeah Fair enough. All right. Bye. All right. See ya. PWG, the worst garbage. Dog.